Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Nooksville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. So I'm excited. Thank you for being here today. And I'm excited to flush out all the things Whatever we get to. (laughs) I'm excited to be here as well. It's a, this was a great reason to get out of bed and become a person on a cold, dreary winter day. So thank you. Yeah. It's, um, I, I need a reason. I know you're supposed to, as like entrepreneurs, you're supposed to like get up every day, they say, and get Mm -hmm. dressed and whatnot. And it's very hard for me to do all those things on an everyday basis. So even before COVID. It's hard to people all day, every day. Yeah. So I get it. I get it. Yeah, I do. So I appreciate you peopling today. <laughs> it's it's only for you. It's only for you. Thank you. So Carrie, yeah. tell, um, so today's guest, Carrie Ginsburg, Carrie, tell us who you are. It's always the hardest question. Who it really are you? is. It tries to get to the essence of my soul, my being, right? So my name is Carrie Ginsburg. I am the owner of Uproar Coaching LLC, which is a boutique coaching practice that um, provides coaching support and tough love to female identifying and femme entrepreneurs. Um, so I'm a certified professional and life coach. I'm also one of the first 500 people in the world certified in uh, change management practitionership, which I'm very, very proud of. Uh, and I am also a professional actor. Uh, and that's where I want to spend some time talking with you today about how uh, lessons from the stage can actually apply in the day-to-day. But I think most importantly in the role that I am really the most proud of in my life is the fact that I'm a rescue dog mom. That's really important to me as well. Yeah, <laughs> we are too. Thanks oh, to yay! my brother. Yeah. Um, that he and his girlfriend, uh, you know, take care of uh, dogs in Arizona and they fostered now our two dogs. We've, they've had them and we love them. And so we just keep acquiring dogs through them. That's good. We had to we had to institute a rule though that we can't have more dogs than we have humans in the household because things were starting to get a little out of hand. Yeah. And that, that means we, we were running two out more. of hands. Yeah. yeah. We can still have two and, and we have little chihuahua mixes. Oh. And like the first one is totally mine. Uh-huh. And didn't plan for it, but not aggressive and not a yapper. We wouldn't sure. have done that. But um the second one is kind of my husband went out, flew out and got her. Mm-hmm. But the kids want the love so bad. And mm-hmm. so it's like, maybe we just need to get a third and then oh, a yeah. fourth. And yeah. then everyone just has their own dog. Like, That's... I never thought we would be that family, but here we are. So if you have the ability to do it, why not? There's lots of dogs that need good homes. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. There's lots of children um, that need more responsibility, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's actually been a good thing to do with the kids. So, um, but I'm excited to take your take on using those skills of the stage because I don't know if everyone knows this, but like I grew up only thing I would ever write. What do you want to be when you grow up an actress? And I thought I was of that mindset where I thought everybody did like who Mm -hmm. wouldn't want to be on the stage and all this stuff. And, you know, as you get older, you realize that's like one of the personality traits where you think everyone Mm -hmm. wants Like, of course, why wouldn't? And I learned, Mm -hmm. no, not everyone wants to be on the stage and in front of the camera. So No, it's funny. Um, I'm an overcompensating introvert. And the way that I ended up on stage is because I was painfully, painfully shy as a child. And we had a pediatrician who recommended to my parents uh, that they put me in an acting class and see if that helps 
unlock or boost some confidence or something. Mm -hmm. And he literally created a dramatic monster because I found such freedom in playing other roles and putting on other personalities and personas and just not worrying about what people thought about me or what I said or how I behaved because everybody was allowed to be a little silly and a little strange and a little different and a little weird. Uh, and so the rest is, is history. We never look back. So that was when I was four or five. And then I booked my first professional gig um, shortly before I turned six and I've been doing professional theater all since then. So I think that That's awesome. there's a, I love it when adults tell me that they've always, you know, they always put down actor on a page and then that's not something that they pursued because I firmly believe one, that we all do a little bit of acting every day, whether we're professional about it or not. Mm -hmm. And two, that there's always room to bring theater and performance back into your life. If it's something that you're curious about um, or that you were hungry for, but you just let it fall by the wayside because of other things in your life that needed to take precedent and priority. I love that. It's funny because you and I, it's like, we're almost like on the opposite ends of the spectrum where okay. it's like, I am a, I'm because I don't, it's not, I wouldn't say overcompensating an introvert, but I'm definitely appreciating my introvert side so much more as I get older. Mm -hmm. Cause I used to just think, Oh, I'm extrovert. You know, alone time is so draining, but Mm. definitely I'm appreciating it the more I get older, but I love, you know, so you, it's one of those things that when you're a chatter as a kid and you naturally talk to people, it's that whole, you would be good on the stage. And I love your opposite take of that and your mm -hmm. experience where that it's something that helped you get out of your shell and build mm -hmm. the confidence. And like you said, these are skills that we can use in any area of our life. Mm -hmm. And because people often think, Oh, I can't do that because of X, Y, Z. Because when you were talking, I was thinking of sales, you know, that people always think of sales, how, oh, yeah. I could never do that. But it's, you know, skills you can learn. And so I think same with a lot of the, which is why I'm excited to dive into that because it's, I think there's just skills. You don't have to be a certain personality type. Right. Or, um, yeah, we just always think we need to fit into this box. And I love when you said you are that like tough love. Cause when I first met you, I just totally sensed that I'm like, you are that like no nonsense, no BS, like get that <laughs> done. And thank you. I love that. And so how did you get into coach? Well, no, I have two questions real quick. Okay. I know, I know everyone's hearing it. I mean, thinking this when you said professional actor. So like, is there anything that we would know you from seeing you in? That would be one question. A uh, great question. So I, it's not that important, by the way, that's not that, that's not really what I care about, but I know people are always curious of like, but you asked. And so let me answer. Um, <laughs> so I primarily spend my time on the stage in the DC mm -hmm. metropolitan area. I performed a little bit in New York, but it was many, many years ago when I was, um, I was younger and I had more energy then. Um, but so if you are in the DC metropolitan area, you will have, and you go to the theater, it is likely that you will have seen me. I have actually, um, I am, <laughs> I always feel so silly saying this because it feels it's like I'm tooting my own horn or patting. I love it. No, toot that freaking horn. Do okay. It. Toot, toot. Here we go. Yes. Um, so I'm a two-time Helen Hayes award winning actor in town and the Helen Hayes awards are like the Tony awards, but for the DC theater community. That's awesome. Congratulations. You should toot yeah. that horn. Thank you. Yeah. I just, it feels immodest to do that because, um, anybody who has received recognition in their field and something that they're passionate about tells you that, that, that type of award, or they might not, this is my opinion. Yeah. Um, that type of award or that type of recognition, it means the work gets harder. The expectations mm -hmm. become higher. The bars get raised, right? 
um, people who are naysayers or perhaps your competitors, uh, it's a, it's, it's a much farther distance than to fall. So you have to work Mm -hmm. harder and you have to dig deeper and you have to keep learning and you have to be better. Theater is a very competitive (laughs) world. It's a full contact sport. It is. But you just described that whole fear of success. Yes. Like when people are, you know, people so often think that it's fear of failure that holds them back. But what I've found is it's like, it's that fear of success that if I raise the bar, like I always joke, I'm like a low, low bar Mm. person Mm -hmm. because it's like, oh no, if I raise it too high, then that's, you know, like you said, further to fall. And yeah, when there's no expectations, there's only success, right? It's also sort of like um, a pessimist mindset where it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm either always right or I'm pleasantly surprised, but either way I win. But I love that you flipped that script and it's not the, it's not a fear of failure. It's a, it's a fear of success, but yeah. but that's also like life begins outside of our comfort zone, you know, very much so it's like, you know, that's our um, comfort zone is like, Oh, I just want to play small. I want to keep the bar low. But like, once we get over that fear and start leaning into that and for you celebrating that success that you've Mm -hmm. dedicated your life to this craft and to be recognized, that's really exciting. Yeah. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, so yeah, I mean, because of of COVID, nobody has seen anybody on stage in anything recently. So um, my references at this point are very, very old, right? So, um, and you can find me at carrieginsburg.com and see what I've been up to and those types of things, if you're interested or just Google me, lots of things will pop up. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) What kind of treasures will we find? Yes, it will reward the curious, that search. Yes. Okay, so I want to dive into- um, Yes the acting stuff. But the, the second question real quick is the change management stuff. Yes. Real quick. Like, what is that? Cause that's very appealing just because oh. change is something that can be very scary for people. So I love that two words together, change management. Yeah. Change is scary. Change is constant. Um, I always tell clients and, and people that I've worked for when I've been in corporate settings that change doesn't have to be scary, but we all just sort of have that reaction to it. So change management uh, is a practice um, or a methodology of coming into an organization that is undergoing some type of transformation and helping the people within that organization get from where they are to be today to where the organization wants them to be and helping them navigate that change through training and briefings and education. And sometimes it's even just listening and, and feedback and making sure that we are truly putting our people first. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a change management practitioner before I became a coach, but there is such a beautiful partnership between the two. Change management is at an organizational level, whereas coaching is at the personal or the individual level, right? But they're both both disciplines, um, both fields really help people through periods of transformation. Yeah. I think that's um, when you were saying that, that's what I was thinking of is that with coaching, a lot of times, you know, people get a coach or just any sort of, like you said, life change, it can be scary to go to that next step, you know, yes. and even I'm, I'm with therapy, you don't know, talk about like therapy and things like that. Like so much is that it's the person that walks beside you through it versus, yeah. you know, pushing you or pulling you. And so I like, I love that visual of kind of that change management, professional and personal, all of that together. So, yeah. Really. I, I totally dig that. Um, I tend to think of a coach as someone who's like riding in the passenger seat Mm -hmm. on a road trip with you, right? I'm bringing a mixtape or a playlist. I'm feeding you French fries as we go, but we're on this journey together. And that, that gap between where you are today and where you want to be, I call it the fun known. 
F-U-N-K-N-O-W-N, fun known. I love so, that, the fun known. So the fun known is the, is the in-between. It's the mm-hmm. gap between where you are today, where you want to be. And I call it the fun known because it's a place to explore and it's a place to play. Um, and it's a place to investigate. And there's no, there are no restrictions. There's no limitations except for what you're bringing for yourself in there. And so it gives the freedom and the flexibility to try things before you get to your journey, the, your destination of your journey. And that's awesome because we always hear, you know, the joy is in the journey and it's yes. not about the destination. It's the journey. But yes. the thing is, is that when we have a negative connotation of that journey, and mm-hmm. that's kind of like with healing a lot too, because I talk a lot about like with healing and whatnot, yes. it's like, it takes a lot of work and it's hard and stuff. And I love that flipping the script of the fun known of like, mm-hmm. yes, this is the time to make those chain, try things and no expectations of, you know, it's getting that whole idea of like good and bad and failure yes. and success, all that. Cause one thing I've been talking about more and leaning into my mission is celebrating the perceived failures. So the things mm. we think were the failures are often the times where we learn the most, gain the most wisdom and insight that helps propel us, you know, into whatever's next. So I love that. Fun yeah. Note. I always, I I always believe that people should try to fail really hard, right? If we, if we, if we look at failure as a, as a means of growth, as a way to learn, and it's not something that just sort of staples our feet to the floor and prevents mm. progress. Um, then failing hard should be something that we strive for in addition to that success, right? I've been thinking yeah. a lot more about failure and just really embracing it. Just yeah, promoting that, you know, embracing of it. Cause I think it's just, we're so afraid of it. And yes, when and all the, the good more stuff you happens. Give, the more you give power to the the negative feelings around it, the bigger the the, you know, the more uppercase the F in that word is. Mm. Um, and we've been taught for so long that fail is a four letter word and it's really, it's not, Yeah, I mean, it, I technically it is, but it's not. Well, Carrie, yes. let's jump into, I would love yes. so your story of this world of acting. Yes. How you got to here. What are the things you're holding on to? And of course, promoting out into the world. Too. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh. So I have a, I have a long list in my head <laughs> um, and not all of them are relevant to everybody, but I have a long list in my head of practices from the stage practices from, from being an actor that I bring not only into my world as a coach and as a change management consultant, but I bring into my day-to-day human interactions with people mm. because what it comes down to first and foremost is being a human and telling a good story, right? Mm-hmm. And by that, I don't mean exaggerating life or being performative in your interactions, but just making sure that as you are investing your time, you are bringing something into the world. So you just want to make sure that you are also taking care of your scene partner, right? Those people who you are sharing the space with, the people who are most often the co-stars of your life. Um, you want to make sure that you are are truly looking after them and the things that you are putting out into the world also contribute to their best interest, right? That doesn't mean putting their needs totally ahead of yours and ignoring the things that you need to foster and grow within yourself. But just make sure that as you are taking care of yourself, you are also giving them, giving those people, giving your scene partners nourishment and enough so that way they can continue to grow themselves. 
Yes. What I love about the scene partner, and I remember this because Tina Fey talked about it in her book where she talked about improv and like taking yes. care of your partner. And so I love you said that about, you know, your scene, your scene partner, because it's like when we help, it's the whole thing. Like when we help others, it helps us, you know? And yes. so if we're just focused about ourselves. Yes. So I just think that's a great reminder to take yes. other. Mm-hmm. You have to give more to get more. That's really mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Like um, you have to be a friend to have a friend. Yeah. Say that a lot with parenting kids, you know, like. Yeah. Be a friend. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. It's funny. So um, we don't have children, but we have a fleet of nieces and nephews. And my sister on the wall in her kitchen has a sign that's like one of their house rules. And it says, we don't have to get along to be kind to one another. And I think about that a lot in context of this as well, right? You don't necessarily need to like people. You don't necessarily need to think, um, you know, this is my best friend or this is somebody that I want to spend a lot of time with. But you can still be be kind and courteous and treat them the way that you would want to be treated in response. So mm. I was thinking about with your change management background mm-hmm. and then with coaching, you know, so much as with life, everything, mm-hmm. whether professional professional or personal is about relationships. Yeah. And just remind, you know, so many times it's like, we always bring our personal stuff into every interaction because we're human. And so I think it's a great reminder of just regardless of whether you like your scene partner or not, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's who's ever you're in relationship with at that moment in time, just kind of the whole being kind, but then just working together instead of working Mm -hmm. against each other. So, yeah. Yeah. And to take it one step further, you have to be present and you have to be real and you have to live in that moment with them. Right. And you'll hear Mm -hmm. actors say all the time, how are we living in this moment? Are we doing this as though it, it, you know, this is the first time that we've done it, even though we've done it 180 times before then it's so real that you need to just focus, right. Breathe, eliminate the distractions and focus on who and what is in front of you in order to make sure that you are working in lockstep together towards whatever that goal is. Because whether you're on stage or whether you're in real life, we all have goals that we are driving towards, whether it's a big life goal, whether it's even just, as we were talking about earlier, like I got up and I got dressed today, right? I like made sure that I could be in this chair to talk to you today. That is a that is a success measure for my day. My goal was to physically be here for you. So I have achieved my I want statement um, and very much the same. We need to make sure that uh, we are present in supporting others on their journey towards their goal and their, their achievements and results as well. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So take care of your scene partner. Yes. Take care of your scene partner. Tell a good story, live in the moment, um, which is also like be present and be prepared. And one uh, that I really, really like um, is about making big choices. So I have a personal life motto, which is go big or go F yourself, which might be go big or go home. Mm -hmm. But really what it is about is it's welcoming adventure into your world. Uh Oh, what just happened? I'm just just laughing. I just want to, I want to like a lot of times in my podcast, it's like a joke amongst the listeners. Um, yes. I'll say, ooh, say that again. Yes. And so it's always like waiting for that moment of like, what's the ooh, say that again. And so I was writing notes here, you know, make big choices. Make big choices. Mm-hmm. So then like my brain is just catching up to like, wait, 
what's your life motto again? Let's, <laughs> let's say that again. Cause I would love to adopt that. So yes, it's it go big, go big or go F yourself. But I you would have to, you have to swing big. You have to take calculated risk. You have to be open to the fun known and the unknown. You have to be welcoming of adventure. You have to get out of your comfort zone. And I realize I just said have to, have to, have to a lot like I'm dictating something. But here's the thing. If you don't, then you won't grow. You won't progress. You won't learn. I mean, it is nice to be on the corner of a couch under a weighted blanket in a spot that's cozy with all of your snacks around you. But how do you know that that is your coziest, most comfortable place if you haven't explored a hammock, right? Or you haven't slept on a boat? Just try. Just be open to trying. I I love that of the analogy of like sitting like that because there's some quote I heard at some point. It's something like you can only grow as far as you go or something like that. Hmm. But the whole idea of... Um, and one, I think it's actually more like you can only go as far as you can see type of thing. And then oh, once you get to that point, you can see further Yes, and further. And so with the, it's, that's the whole comfort zone thing. So literally it's like, you've never sat in another spot. You might think that that's your most comfortable and that you're, you know, happy with everything, but until you start pushing and that's the beautiful thing about failure that goes back to that mm-hmm. whole celebrating failure, yes, embracing failure, because you find, I don't like a hammock, but you may like um, a chair on the beach that yes, lovely, but unless we try all those things and that's the whole thing of like, we're so afraid of failure versus seeing failure as the stepping stones to like Mm -hmm. the next great thing. Yeah. Make big choices, learn from your experiences and try again. I love that. And I love the go F yourself because I am, um, and I learned this from, I feel like a therapist friend or something like (laughs) I'm the type I do like a lot of cursing, um, Mm. to process my feelings and not just like angry, but just like, it's like that tough love, you know? Yeah. And so I think I just love that because I think sometimes it's like in movies when someone's hysterical and they get slapped and not that I want to ever advocate slapping someone. But there's like a psychological, I read somewhere, there's a psychological thing to that layer. It like stops you out of the yeah. thing. And so I feel like cursing for me is a much kinder self thing to do of like, what the F is going on? And then it, yeah. my brain is like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? So Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, as you were saying that, it reminds me of that moment in Moonstruck when Cher slaps is it Nicolas Cage and she literally says snap out of it and like he's hysterical she she slaps him and then it just the entire the entire timbre of this scene changes mm-hmm. right like the the pace and the tone and the tension everything sort of goes away so I I absolutely yes use that blue language to like change your perspective and emotionally overcome the situation whatever it takes I also I recently read a book called um word slut by Amanda Montel. And it's about, it's, it's superb. I cannot recommend it enough. And she's amazing on Instagram. If you're on the social media as well, I think, um, I think you two are, uh, kindred spirits and like souls, but she talks a lot about how female voices, women's voices, how we use language, how we talk about ourselves and to each other, how we sort of convene and coven, um, has become sort of genderfied through the ages. Mm-hmm. 
And she has a whole chapter on swearing and what it means for women who swear. And is it making you more masculine or is it devaluing your lady likeness? And her whole thesis coming out of that is just like, effing say whatever the F you want to say. Like it's that. That was my Yeah, I know. Exactly. Go bigger off yourself, right? It's it's extraordinary. I can't recommend that book enough to folks. I recommend it to my coaching clients all the time. That's great. It's not about like owning your voice. Yes. I um I have a joke and I've I've run this by my therapist friends. I've run Mm -hmm. this by my pastor. Mm -hmm. Um because of course I'm always like trying to peel back the layers, but I have this thing where if a friend is venting to me uh-huh. about something, my first reaction is like F that B, whether it's a person, a thing, anything. Yes. My first reaction is always F that person, because I'm going to get to the thing about, it's not really about that person. It's about yeah. you. And you know, the whole, just because the thing is never the thing, you know, the thing, mm-hmm. you know, the person and this, it's always our own stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I was talking it out, like I said, with like therapist, pastor, all the different like areas of my <laughs> life. And thankfully I felt like I got not only buy-in, but almost like, I don't know. And I don't need permission. Cause I was about to be like permission, but affirmation, just some affirmation. Yeah. Affirmation that like, and that's the one where the psychologist kind of explained it in one way. And then even in like a faith way, like each of them where it was like yes. stopping those trains of thought. Like, mm-hmm. so when I say that, I'm not actually saying F-F-B, no, 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 but it's that that's what we want to say when we're complaining about something. And that's what we want to hear. We want to hear F that. Yes. And then it's like, gets it out of our system. Yeah. Take it to the bottom and, line. Yes. And it's like, we always say we need to take a deep breath, but when you're in that effort mode, you can't, you know, but after yes. you hear that, you can take that breath. Yes. Then let's really look at the situation for what it is. Cause it's not really about that. Yeah. So. It's so funny that you say that too, because that, that is a big theater point breathing and the power and the importance and the life force of breath. 100%, right? Because you need to breathe to speak and you need to breathe to emote. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I am nervous or when I am scared, I hold my breath and that creates tension that I don't need in my body, but that also helps escalate situations outside mm-hmm. of the theater world that don't necessarily need to be escalated. If only I could just take a breath and take a moment and pause and count to 10 or whatever the tactic is for you. But there's also something really special in theater about the element of shared breathing. And I wrote an article about this um, at the start of the pandemic uh, when a bunch of theaters were trying to figure out how do we get, how do we continue the arts when it is perhaps not safe for people to be in the same room with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's this beautiful moment in theater when you're on stage and when you are engaging with an audience, the actor on stage knows the audience is there. The audience knows that the actor knows that they're there. It's sort of this weird partnership disconnect thing that happens. Mm-hmm but you are sharing the same air for however long the play is. And usually within the first 10 or 15 minutes of the play, there was a moment that I actually listened for. And it is when you know that you have the audience and, they are, and, and that they are willing to go on the journey with you. Mm-hmm. And it is a moment of shared inhalation. When the entire room just seems to know to breathe in and breathe out at the same time. And it could happen through a gasp. It could happen through a laugh. It could happen just for like rippling of the breath as it happens up through the audience stands, right? There's just this moment when everybody locks in 
and you accept the tacit agreement that you are on this journey together and you are breathing the same air and you are sharing the space and you are sharing the emotions to come. So my question is, what does a shared inhalation look like in our daily life when we're in relationship with someone? Mm, That's such a great question. And we can, I mean, that's something to just ponder. It doesn't need to have an answer, but I just loved your description of it. And I thought my first thought was there's power in the pause. Yes. That no matter any area of our life with coworkers, parenting, our own thoughts, you know, when we take Mm -hmm. that pause and take that breath, that's where the power lies. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we can make a different decision, make a better Mm -hmm. choice, make a more um, empowering choice, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And so I feel like it's like step one is that power in the pause. And then there's that, you talked about the shared inhalation that, like you said, the agreement that we're going to suspend our belief, right? Or yeah, suspend their disbelief. Yeah. Disbelief. Thank you. I knew I got it wrong. Um, So I just thought, man, what does that look like when we are engaging with people? And I thought you said you take a moment after 10 to 15 minutes in the, the, Mm-hmm. show you, you, there's power in that pause. Yeah. You actually notice it because how much of life and when we're in relationships, when we're in conversation, do we not notice? Cause we're in our own head, yeah. our own space. And so when you go back to the things you talked about, about taking care of your scene partner, telling the good story, living in the moment, making the mm-hmm. big choices. And then finally that pause of just, it's almost like taking, putting your finger on the pulse of What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. I mean, your listeners can't say that I just completely leaned forward and I'm like all schmoopy leaning against my hands, <laughs> listening to you speak. But, but there's so, there's such truth to what you just said. I think what it is, is it's when we agree that we can sit in companionable silence. In companionable silence. I love that. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have to be for a long time. It, it's just when we agree that we don't have to rush to fill the space with words that we can just allow the space to be. And then we breathe it in together. That was a very good question. Thank you. You're a very good interviewer. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome so much. Um, <laughs> I think that I feel like I've been very I, the best way to say it is like, I, I hate saying it like this, but it's like blessed to walk through really hard stuff with people. And mm. I say blessed, not because thank you know, they're tragic things. So, but me, yeah. you know, but like you said, to share that space with someone mm-hmm. and what did you call it? The sh- um, compatible silence, companionable so, silence, companionable. Yeah. Thank you. Sitting in the companionable silence. So often we want to fix. And I know with coaches, you guys have taught me so much. The coaches is it's not about fixing. You think coaches are going to fix you or tell you the answers. And it's really, as you said, it's that passenger seat mm-hmm. on the journey with you. And yeah. I think that when we want to be there in relationship with people, whether it is a very hard time or just any time, the good, the bad, the ugly, all seasons of life. Really, we just want someone beside us and just to share in those moments. And it doesn't mean we have to have the right words. And I love your take on it because so often it's like actors and me, especially when, you know, I grew up like my chatter. And I think that's actually why I got a little bit away from the desire to act Mm -hmm. because It was, I think for me, it came from a place of wanting to connect with people. Yeah. 
And so I found as I got older, the ways to connect. So like interview, like this gets my, you know, gets, yeah. gets my soul on fire. And so I think that's what I was searching for when I was younger, you know, wanting to be an actress. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you talked about that power of the silence and the collective breath and just those mm-hmm. moments together, because mm-hmm. so often we think in relation, you know, whether it's on stage, but in relationships that we need to do the right thing, say the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so you think of performance, you think of well, yes. acting is all about performing and the most powerful moments on stage and in movies are often the most quiet parts. And that's the gift I think we can give other people too. So yeah, daily life. Yeah, I agree. Love that. I agree. Yeah. I love your badass perspective. I love your kick butt, no nonsense. Um, But you can tell you also just have the biggest heart. And I think that's why people, those who have, it's like the whole, those who love big can give those biggest tough loves. So about tough love. Yeah, it's not about being love. mean. It's not about being aggressive towards people. It's understanding that it's scary to want something beyond what you have today. And much like you have been blessed with going through some stuff with people, mm-hmm. coaches also spend a lot of time in a vulnerable place with their clients. Mm-hmm. Theater artists spend a lot of time being vulnerable themselves for a room full of strangers who don't necessarily want to root for them. And what it comes down to is you have to honor the human experience. Mm. You have to meet people where they are without judgment and push them towards brilliance. You just have to root for them when they can't root for themselves. I love that. Meet people where they're at. Oh, I love the rooting for people when they can't root for themselves. When I, um, I used to um, hear a lot and I used to is ride on my belief in you until you can have wings of your own to fly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My favorites. Cause I just think you need those cheerleaders in your life. Cause we are all human. So like mm-hmm. honoring that human condition that we're, it's, it's not that the bad feelings, it's not that we're going to have the doubts and the fears and whatnot. And that's why I love your motto of go big or go F yourself, because it's not saying you're never going to have those, should I do it or shouldn't? And it's Mm -hmm. reminding yourself and, you know, that I'm someone who Mm -hmm. goes big and the kind of wrapping up, like I loved your talk about tough love when, where Mm -hmm. it's coming from. And I think what so often we do in relationships and this ties back to your theater. So in theater, there's, an, as you said, there's the agreement that like, yes, I know you're there, you know, yes. I'm here, you know, I'm not really this character, but right. we're all going to do this. Yes. I think that with tough love and, co- you know, with coaching, when you're working with someone in coaching, but even just in relationships, there's that mm-hmm. social contract of like, I know that you are a, your motto is go big or go F yourself. So I know yeah. if I go talk to you about something and I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I should do it. Like, I know Carrie's going to tell me, go big or go F yourself. Yeah. And you can say that because you've, that's like the social contract that like, this is who you are. And it's like, for me, it's like, you know, I'm always going to turn it back to what's really going on in there. What's this? Yes. So like, don't come to me. (laughs) Like if, if you, and that's okay too. Like, that's what I love about life 
And yes. uh, my friend, we did a podcast just for fun, like my BFF, you know, from childhood. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about friends on different shelves. That was kind of her analogy and not oh, expecting everyone to be the same, give, you yep. know, provide the same relationship. And so with coaches and just people in your life and everything, it's like, you kind of have this social contract of this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And so of course you're going to walk through individually with them and things like that, but kind of at your core, I know who you are. And so mm-hmm. you can give that kind of kick in the butt type thing. Mm-hmm. Cause you're kicking yourself in the butt. Like you're not asking anyone to do anything that you wouldn't do. Oh, you're 100%. Go yourself. Yes. So. Yeah. It can't work any other way. Yep. That's so awesome. Well, yeah. Carrie, thank you so much. It was so fun chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. I want to continue these conversations because I think it's just, I love your perspective. Um, just think it's, it's a great reminder. And I think too, that it's also just reminding people if there's something that was on their heart, like it's never yes. too late. No. And two, think outside the box. So if you're struggling yes. in an area, like you would not think super shy, let me go get on stage. So <laughs> often the answer is not always, you know, what we think. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. So, if, um, so when listeners want to find you, where can they find you? I'm all over social media, mostly in Facebook and Instagram. You can find me as Carrie Ginsburg across both of those platforms. And if you're interested in coaching, you can also find me on, again, most social media platforms as Uproar Coaching LLC. And we also have a coaching website. We, me, all my personalities, www.uproarcoaching.com. Love that. All your personalities. Yes. Oh, and if you are interested in coaching, put flush into um, my little referral box and we'll get you a nice little discount. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that for the listeners. Well, thank you again. So appreciate. Can't wait to do this again. I was like planting that seed, you know? Oh, I mean, if you'll have me, I will gladly (laughs) come back. We can talk about whatever you want. It's like a second date or something like, well, I'll see you next time. You know, I mean, should I text you? Do you want to text me? (laughs) How do we like, yeah, how does this work? How are we leaving this? And that's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. For all things flushing, visit our website at flushingitout.com. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.